0: Thank you everybody, uh, it is good to see everybody online today. I'm happy that uh, we are able to uh, gather like this and, um, and be able to have church together. Um, we know that the, uh, many of the uh, women in the church are gathered right now in Pennsylvania and uh, they're speaking uh, or, or they're having worship together, but it's great that we can also be together. Um, today I uh, wanna talk to you a little bit about about amazing things. Amazing things! Um, And uh, what that looks like and how to see amazing things. I know today is Palm Sunday, which is the week before Jesus uh, came back from the dead, the week before Easter. And uh, it's the day that signifies where Jesus entered Jerusalem and people put through palm branches down and saying Hosanna to him. So we're going to do something a little different and uh, in order to, uh, you know, to talk about amazing things today, we're actually going to read from the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter three, uh, and then after I read some some scriptures from Joshua chapter three, we will talk about Jesus, talk about his sacrifice for us, and we'll have communion together. So, just a reminder: if you uh, haven't got your communion supplies, uh, you can get those. Go ahead and raise your hand and the ushers will drive over to your house. And uh, no, I'm kidding, they won't. Uh, if you don't have your communion supplies, raise your hand and then put your hand down and go get communion supplies. So, amen. <laughs> uh, it is great to be with everybody and it's great to be together. So before I read uh, Joshua chapter 3 together, um, let, uh, let me give you a quick little background about what I'm going to read. I'm going to read in Joshua chapter 3, the people of God, the Israelites are um, about to cross over into the promised land. They've been wandering in the desert for decades, and now they're ready, and God has promised them this promised land, and they're about to go into it. And the first city that they're going to encounter is the city, of course, of Jericho. And uh, we're familiar with that, that story and, and how, uh, how, that, how God uses uh, Joshua. And so let's read this together, and let's talk a little bit about amazing thing. So Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 2, it says, after three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about two thousand cubits between you and the ark, do not go near it. Verse five it says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. There it is among you. Joshua said to the priests, take the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people so that so they took it up and went on ahead of them. All right. In order to see amazing things, the Bible teaches us here, first, God must be first. God must be first. You know, um, they're getting ready to cross the Jordan to go into the promised land in this scenario. And what their strategy is, is they're going to send the priests with the Ark of the Covenant first. In fact, it says there in verse four, that um they they they're supposed to go f- so far ahead that the priests are 2000 cubits cubit being an, a, a unit of measurement of distance 2000 cubits ahead that's 3 i'm sorry that's 3000 feet 3000 feet that they are ahead of everybody else that's the first thing that's going that's 1000 yards For you sports fans, that's 10 football fields. 10 football fields, end to end to end. That's how far the Ark of the Covenant and the priests are to be ahead of everybody else as they proceed forward. The message from God in this situation is clear that the amazing things that are going to happen first start with God being first. I mean, God needed to be clearly way out in front of everything. This is the first step of seeing amazing things. And this idea of God being first, it's not a new idea in the Bible. It's a theme you see all throughout the scriptures. Over and over, God talks about putting him first. Why? Why does God do that? Well, is it because, uh, why is it that God insists on being first? Is it that God has some big ego? That he just isn't comfortable unless he is first in front of everybody else? Or is it, God, is it that God's really insecure? Is it God, that, that, that God is, you know, uh, God, God's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, need, I just need words of affirmation from my people. Is that what it is? No, it's none of that. The reason why God demands to be first in our lives is because God has put us first in his life. In fact, you know the scripture, John three sixteen. it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You see, the reason why God calls us to put him first isn't because he's insecure, isn't because he has some ego, it's because he's already put us first. And God knows, as well as you and I, that one-sided relationships don't work, that you and I have to put him first because he's put us first. In his life. And that's how a relationship with God works. So if we're going to see amazing things in our lives, it it starts by putting God first. You know, and this can seem a little odd at times, like like it might have seemed here, to put God so clearly first. Sometimes it seems a little odd. I remember years ago when my uh, daughter was little, um, we had a stroller that we would push her around in. And um, unfortunately, the stroller broke. I mean, it broke, one of the four wheels came off completely. And we tried to put it back on, and it came back off. And you know, you know I mean, you know, things can go wrong with a stroller, but you got to have all four wheels. <laughs> it's gotta, otherwise, it doesn't work. And I wasn't sure what we were going to do because we didn't have any money, and we needed a new stroller, and uh, I wasn't sure how we were going to fix this. And I remember my wife saying to me, she said, you know what? It's okay. I'll just pray about it. And I remember, I mean, outwardly, I said, oh, good idea. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's great, that's great. But inwardly, I was like, what? (laughs) No, no, I need something a little more tangible than that. You know, here I am, you know, the spiritual leader. I'm like, oh, no, I mean, does God have time for strollers? I mean, and but my wife's first reaction in this scenario was to put God first. It seemed a little odd to me, which... Unfortunately, it shouldn't have been, you know, but it, and and that's what happens when we put God first. Sometimes it can feel a little odd and we've got to constantly be asking ourselves this question. Does our life reflect a heart that puts God first? Does anything else in your life even come close? I mean, again, the priests and the Ark of the Covenant, as they were going on to see amazing things, they were a thousand yards ahead of everybody else. Does anything in your life even come close to, to competing with God? Maybe it's your schedule. Maybe your bank account. Maybe your pursuits, maybe your relationships, or on the other hand, are we people who read the Bible? Are we people who listen to God? Are we people who regularly feed ourselves with the scriptures, who pray to God, who clearly in our hearts and in our actions put God first? We've had a couple great midweeks back-to-back in the Northwest um, where we've talked about this scripture, Mark chapter 12, verse thirty. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is what it means to put God first. All right, let's move on with our story because we see the next step in this story about seeing these amazing things is that first God must be first, but then the path, well, the path may be crazy. Uh, Look at Joshua, back at our text here, Joshua chapter three, beginning in verse six. It says, Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went on ahead of the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant When you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, The termites, just kidding, termites aren't there. Just making sure you're paying attention. See, verse 11, see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priest who carried the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cast off and stand up, in a heap. This is a bit crazy. Don't you think this battle plan here? I mean, first of all, the odds are clearly against them. Seven different nations are mentioned here that they will be going up against. And their plan is, verse six, to first send the priests. The priests carrying a large, heavy object. And we'll read here shortly in verse 15 that the river that they're going to cross is actually at flood stage. So it's probably the worst possible time to be crossing the Jordan River, right? I didn't go to West Point. I've been to West Point. We actually had a a ministry, led a ministry there for a long time. But I didn't go to West Point. I am not a military strategist, right? But this seems like a highly unorthodox military plan, To conquer a land, don't you think you're going to send priests unarmed? You know, not your fighting men, but you're sending your 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 religious leaders carrying a large object, going at flood stage, at at the time when the river is at its widest, to cross this river and go into this land. This is a bit crazy. This plan, but. God specializes in highly unorthodox means, wouldn't you say? I mean, think of a few examples. Judges chapter 6. Remember the story of Gideon, a man who was hiding because he was clearly afraid. God comes to him and says, calls him mighty warrior, and takes Gideon along with just 300 people, 300 people to do battle against the enemy which the Bible says is is countless, I mean, a huge number of people. And the battle, they they win the battle against this incredible odds with trumpets and torches. (laughs) That's their weapons, trumpets and torches. I mean, God's a little unorthodox at times. Think about Matthew chapter 17. It was tax time, much like it is right now. It was tax time and Jesus told Peter, hey, you know, what I want you to do is I want you to go fishing. Why? So that you can catch fish and go sell them in the market and then take the money and then go pay your taxes? That would make sense, right? No, that wasn't the plan. Jesus tells Peter to go catch fish, a fish. Take the fish, open its mouth, and in the mouth will be some money that you'll use to pay your taxes. Again, very unorthodox. Think about John chapter 6. Jesus, all Jesus's friends are out on a boat in the middle of the night. Jesus wants to go join them. He didn't have a boat, they took the last boat. So what does Jesus do? Call an Uber, nope, that's not what he does. He just walks to them on top of the water. The point is, is that God's plans are often unorthodox. And seeing amazing things happen in our lives sometimes means the path may be a little crazy. I remember years ago, um, we were uh, leading the ministry in Syracuse, New York, and uh, one of our college students, a young woman, um, she was part of the church there, she graduated and went on to get a job working at Parenting Magazine. And, and she, she, uh, she and my wife kept up a lot even after she left and moved away, uh, they kept up. And um, uh, you know and it was around that time that our daughter was born, and so, uh, so she would often reach out to my wife And she would say, um, she would say, hey, is it okay if I, you know, get some quotes from you for Parenting Magazine? Because we do these different things and we'd like to have real moms give quotes about things on various topics. So from time to time, she'd reach out to my wife and my wife would email her a quote about some particular topic and it would appear in Parenting Magazine. My wife has been quoted multiple times in in Parenting Magazine. We have, we actually have all the issues where she's been in there. And um, wouldn't you know that one particular time, this young woman reached out to my wife out of the blue and said, hey, we're doing this thing at Parenting Magazine where we are reviewing uh, various strollers that are out there on the market and we need some help. Would it be okay with you if, if at no charge to you, we send you a free stroller? And you take it and you use it and then you give us a review and then you can just keep it. It's yours for your time. And (laughs) wouldn't you know that of course that was right after my wife had been praying about the broken stroller. And here I am again, supposed to be the spiritual leader. Uh, You know, here I am going, you know, my wife's saying, I'm just going to pray about it. I doubted. And then next thing I know, arrives in, at our door, a box, and I'm pulling out a $300 Italian-made stroller that we got for free. I'm just saying, if you want to see amazing things, sometimes the path is going to be a bit crazy. And that's just how God works sometimes. And so we've got to be willing to trust God, to put him first, and then to follow the path that he may take us down. Of course, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. I love this scripture. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Man, you want to see amazing things. God must be first, Sometimes the path may be crazy. And then finally, you want to see crazy, you want to see amazing things. You you just got to go stand in the water. Let's go back to our text here, Joshua chapter three, back in verse 14. It says, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them, right? 3,000 feet, 1,000 yards Verse 15, it says, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. I mentioned that. So again, crazy plan. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Ereba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite the Jericho, uh, opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed The crossing on dry ground. I mean, that's amazing. That is amazing. In verse 5, in fact, Joshua tells the people, he tells them, you know, tomorrow you're gonna see amazing things. But nothing out of the ordinary happened until verse 15, when their feet touched the water. That's when the amazing things happened. Listen, all of the plans, all of the rhetoric, all of the dreams, all of the ideas that we have mean nothing until we are willing to take a step of faith. Sometimes you just got to go stand in the water. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been afraid. I felt like the odds are against me. I feel like Whatever the scenario is, it's just not going to work out. I cannot see a way through it, but I decide. I've been plenty of times when I've been afraid and not done something, but then there have been plenty of times when I have decided to just go stand in the water. I say, God, all right, here it is. This is crazy. I'm going to step out on faith. I'm going to go stand in the water. I hope you do something because I'm going to go get in the water like the priests as soon as their feet Touch the water, that's when the amazing things happen. And that's what we've got to be willing to do, is is take that step of faith. Where is it right now that God is calling you to step out on faith? Is it your job? Maybe it's a relationship. You know, maybe it's with your money. Uh, Maybe it's with your health. Maybe it's with your faith. Where is it?
1: Where is, you? know,
0: I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. You know where God is saying to you, listen, hey, you put me first. It's going to be a little crazy, but you need to take that step. Step of faith. You know, we, uh, Russ mentioned earlier uh, we're going to see uh, two young teens be baptized. Cameron and Sarah are going to be baptized later today. What an amazing step of faith. How inspiring is that? To see two people decide that they are two people decide that they are going to put their faith in God, that they're going to step out, put God first. Yeah, the path may be crazy, but they're going to step into the water. Literally. <laughs> literally they're going to step into some water and they're going to get baptized and put God first. How amazing is that? You want to see amazing things? Well, this is how God works so often. He's got to be first, the path, the plan, it all may be crazy, but you and me, we just got to take a step, take that step of faith. We're going to close out uh, tonight, or today, this this afternoon, whatever time it is, we're going to close out with talking about the most amazing thing, and that, of course, is Jesus hanging on the cross for our sins. And we're gonna take communion together here in just a moment, have a moment where we can just have some silent time to remember. Jesus is, is, is the perfect example of what we just talked about. Jesus put God first in God's plan. The path that he had to follow, it was crazy. He endured a lot of difficulties, a lot of troubles, ups and downs, a lot of, a lot of things. And then he ultimately took that stand. He took that step and allowed himself to be crucified for us. And this is the greatest act, the greatest of the amazing things. And because of that, you and I now have an opportunity. We have this this chance to have a, a relationship with God, to have all of our sins wiped away, to be cleansed, to be holy and blameless, as the Bible says. In Romans 8, as it says, there's no condemnation for us anymore. All of all the things that stood against us are gone, and we've been, we've been set free from our sins. Praise God for that. And so we're going to take some time now, and we're going to uh, have a moment of just quiet meditation while we remember this act of faith and this love that was shown for us. So let's bow our heads together, and we will pray, and then we'll take communion together. God in heaven, we are so grateful for your love. We're so grateful that you not only teach us what it means to see amazing things, but then you show us as well, God. Thank you for Jesus, who was the ultimate example. God, we thank you for his love. We thank you, God, that he uh, gave himself. He lived for us, that he died for us. Thank you that he trusted you with his life. And now we have the opportunity to be connected to you. Help us now as we take communion to let our, let our hearts always be stirred, let our hearts always be moved. God, let our hearts never become hardened to your love for us. God, be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray.